Another Kokomo Friday. Put your feet up, everybody. Scott, as you said before the show, life's a beach, right? Life's a beach, Adam. Just relaxing, heading into the weekend. I like it. What a beautiful slogan. And we welcome you to Fantasy Baseball today. I'm really excited about today's show. I think it's going to be terrific. Chris Towers is on his fir- first Friday show of the year. I've probably, I'm sure I've been on, maybe. Okay. <laughs> well, it Who couldn't. Knows? It couldn't have been that good, or we'd remember. Who's counting, Adam, honestly? Not me. <laughs> uh, our email address is fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Today we're going to talk about Matt Chapman. We're going to talk about Matt Davidson. We're going to talk about Matt Strom and Stephen Matts. I don't know. Rank the Matts. Yeah, exactly. Harvey Last. Okay, fine. Actually, let's see if we can come up with a clever title for this. Uh, ra- ranking the Matts. Like, can you think of anything like just this just in? Um, no. Welcome, Matt. No. Welcome, Matt. <laughs> Who are you welcoming to your lineup first? Matt Strom? Okay, Matt yeah, Dav- that's fine. Yeah, Matt Strom, Matt Davidson, or Matt Chapman? Uh, I guess just because he's a pitcher, it's probably got to be Matt Strom, right? Yeah, but is he a good pitcher? Probably not. No. But are either of these other two guys any good? Well, they have a lot of power. Both Chapman and Davidson. Davidson has actually been demonstrating the power, homering in four consecutive games up to 14 on the year. Terrible contact percentages. Like, uh, what is he? He's batting like 240 despite a 350 Babbitt or something. Uh, might be even higher his Babbitt. And obviously it's fueled in large part by those home runs, but he also has crazy high fly ball percentage. Uh, very low soft contact percentage. Thirty-eight. When he makes contact, he kills it. Thirty-eight percent strikeout rate, though. He does yeah. not make like you. You just can't, unless you're Miguel Sano, and even that is still an open question to some extent. You can't be a successful major league hitter while striking out thirty-eight percent of the time. So my favorite is actually Chapman. All right, let me before we get into all the specifics and all okay. the all the data and all that, let me let me frame it for everybody. These are three players who are owned in 10% of leagues or less. Matt yeah. Strom made his first career start and he struck out three Angels in five innings, gave up an unearned run on three hits and is having a decent year with bad control, which is different than last year, but everything's been in the bullpen. That's Matt Strom, Royals pitcher. Matt Davidson is the fifth player this season and the first White Sox player since 2013 to homer in four straight games. That's Matt Davidson. He is batting 259 with 14 home runs, 11 walks, and 70 strikeouts. And again, he has homered in four straight games. The other four to do that, by the way, are Salvador Perez, Eric Thames, Mark Reynolds, and Mike Trout. Those are the other four to hit a home run in four straight games this year. And Matt Chapman is uh, one of the newest members of Major League Baseball. He was called up by the A's yesterday. He went 0 for 3. He walked twice, and he struck out twice. Another one of those three true outcome guys, 24-year-old who in the minors hit for a lot of power, not only at the PCL. He had 29 home runs at AA in 117 games last year. And Matt Chapman is 10% owned. So Scott says Matt Chapman would be the one he'd welcome first of all the welcome mats. Uh, go ahead, Scott. I cut you off when you were getting into it. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to see if he's as bad of a swing and miss guy as as Matt, as Matt Davidson has been at the major league level, um, in the hope that it's similar power production. I think the athletics enthusiasm is is partially driving my willingness to take a flyer on him in in deeper leagues. I mean, most people aren't going to have a big enough need at third base to pick up a prospect this flawed, but uh, the the Athletics designated Trevor Plouffe for assignment, so they're kind of just committing to Chapman as their regular third baseman right out of the gate. He's, and he's a top 100 prospect, though. He's you guys, you guys let me have him for a dollar in the auction league. Uh, I got him in the tw- in the 12 team roto league. I dropped some scrub and picked up Matt Chapman for a buck. All right, so you know how Joey Gallo's been like pretty good this season, but not great for fantasy by any means. Mm-hmm. Matt Chapman's probably a poor man's Joey Gallo. Like, a part of the reason why the A's are excited about him is that he could be a gold glove level defender at third base. Unfortunately, you don't get, if you play in score sheet, you get points for that. But, uh, (laughs) in regular fantasy, you are not getting points for, uh, for good defensive plays. And, and a big issue for him is over the last two seasons, uh, he has struck out 236 times in 793 plate appearances. That's a 29.8% strikeout rate, and that's in the minors. And now we've seen Joey Gallo have some success, but in the even in the minors, Joey Gallo had really high batting averages on balls in play. He would routinely rack up numbers in the 330 range. Matt, uh, Matt Chapman, for his career, is a 280 Babbitt guy in the minor. So who's your favorite Matt? Matt Strom, Matt Chapman, or Matt Davidson, Chris? I think it's probably Matt Strom just by default, but it's about as tepid an endorsement as I could possibly all right, give. All right, you're not feeling the Matt's. That's fine. I thought, you Strom know. Strom has walked way too many guys this year. So, like, I know we were excited about him coming into the year, but now this is, no. All right, all right. Look, it's Kokomo Friday. I thought we were going to be in a good mood. Everybody's crapping all over the welcome mat. So let me just say, by you know, the way, no, Matt, I can get excited about Matt Carpenter. All right, two more doubles. Yeah, he has been on fire lately, um, and seems to like him and Edwin Encarnacion both. They're they're kind of pulling the Jose Bautista uh, act of, oh man, is this guy getting old? He's striking out a whole lot more. Oh look! Suddenly he's on fire, and he stopped striking out as well. Um, for Encarnacion, last 17 games he has struck out just nine times, hit 3.39 with five home runs during that stretch, and then in Carpenter's last nine games, 4.29, three home runs, seven doubles. Yeah, uh, look, his off. numbers are correcting awfully quickly, and uh, I'm glad I didn't ever lose confidence in him and drop him way down my third base rankings. And that's a really great segue, Scott, because one of the things we're talking about today is uh, all those players that people are freaking out about. And, and you know, we, we've we been saying buy low on pretty much all of the struggling studs. We haven't lost faith. And it looks like it's paying off for some of them. But for others, we're still waiting for Carlos Gonzalez to come around. You know, Carlos Santana's in a different category. I don't know if he's a stud, but he's been bad this year. People want to know about Carlos Santana. People want to know about Francisco Lindor. So I asked you guys yesterday via email, who are you actually worried about? You know, we're, we're 11 weeks, almost 12 weeks into the season, well, 11 full weeks into the season. And, uh, you know, it's time to start really worrying. And we'll talk about Miguel Cabrera, who homered yesterday, but it's, it's revealed that Cabrera's been dealing with a back issue. So that that's got to be a little concerning as well. 
Um, I do want to get to all that. Again, emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. We're going to look at the most added list. We're going to uh, get do some crazy talk today. I'm going to give you some statements that I think might be a little bit crazy. And you tell me just how crazy they are. We'll update you on some prospects. Uh, Sonny Gray, Justin Verlander. Another good start from Gio Gonzalez, who maybe isn't the sell-high candidate I thought he was. And some deep league guys, other than the mats, that you can consider. Of course, two-star pitchers will come up uh, later in the show. Uh, before we get to who we're actually worried about, is anybody interested in Nick Pavetta? Who, of course, must remind you of Dick Pavetta, but it's Nick Pavetta, Chris Towers, who's, who held the Red Sox scoreless over seven innings with nine strikeouts and a nice 95 mile per hour heater. Uh, Nick Pavetta with a, he was one of the true standouts yesterday. Do you care? I mean, you, you have to take note of a performance like that, especially when it does come, uh, with a, a pretty interesting set of, uh, stuff. I'm not sure where <laughs> I was going with that. Um, but yeah, anytime you nice. throw 95 and can do that to the Boston Red Sox, I think you have to take note, but only nine swinging strikes. So he wasn't getting a ton of swings and misses there. And this is a guy with a, a pretty mixed track record in the major league so far. So no. So, so Matt Strom or, or Nick Pavetta? Pavetta. Wow. Yeah, I have a little more hope for Pavetta, but it's, not enough for me to move for either outside of ALNL, where they were probably already owned. We have not been very mixed leaguey so far today, so let's change that right now. Did you do your homework assignment? Did you come prepared to talk about players that you're actually worried about? Oh, I see that look on Scott's face. I don't remember any homework. I sent the email. I sent the email. Chris, did I send the email? He did. I did. Yeah, the dog ate Scott's. Ah. <laughs> uh, Let's discuss who we are actually worried about and have actually downgraded. I'll bring up Cargo, Lindor, and Santana. They seem to be on listeners' mind, uh, minds. But please be prepared to talk about a few people who really do suck. Chris Towers, can you help Scott White out here? <laughs> uh, okay, let's start with um, you know, someone who I don't think pitched as well as his final line last night, and that's Justin Verlander, who only gave up two runs in seven innings, but was against the Rays. And had five walks to uh, six strikeouts in that game. I'm just not 100% sure what's going on with Justin Verlander. And that's the biggest issue for me is he's not pitching well. He doesn't look sharp. And I don't have a very good explanation for it. Mm. Yeah. Three walks or more in seven of his last nine starts. So it has been continual ongoing control problems for But the thing is... Him. According to uh, to pitch effects, he's throwing a higher percentage of his pitches inside the strike zone than he was last season. Uh, 49.9% to 48.6% last year. Um, so it's just opposing batters are swinging a little less, and I guess that has had a big impact. I don't know. It's It's bizarre. This is one of the ones where I'm worried, but I'm not sure... Why? Did you downgrade Besides Justin? just like the bad result. Did you downgrade Justin Verlander? And Justin Verlander is at 4.6 walks per nine. He has been at 2.8 or less in seven of his last eight seasons. This is very uncharacteristic of him. So has anybody downgraded Justin Verlander? I've downgraded him since the start. I mean, he was my fifth pitcher to yeah. begin the year, and now he's 19th. Okay. I've, I've moved him to the back of all the pitchers who I think have ace potential. Um I, I still think he does. I, I'm not looking to dump him, 
but he's toward the back of that group now. I've moved him down a little bit, but it's more I've moved other guys up. I I've got him 11th right now. I'm going to move him behind James Paxton. Um, but like I said, I, I would feel more comfortable moving him down if I had a really good explanation for why this was happening to him. Okay. Scott, you want to give me somebody that you're actually concerned about actually downgrading this year? I'm, oh, I'm sorry. My, my homework. I guess I got a C on that one. Jeez. No, we're going to go back and forth. We're going to go back and forth. Or, should we stick I heard, I heard there were, you put some stink on it. <laughs> no, I did it. Uh, there was an audible sigh. This is, I'm glad Chris is stalling for me. This is like, do you ever have that dream where like you in the dream, you realize there's a, it's like you're like in college and you realize there's a class you haven't attended all semester and the final is today and you're like rushing in at the last minute. Yeah, I got no a, idea what the material is. I got to tell is. you. That sounds like most of my college classes. <laughs> you know what the, the scary dream I the scary dream I used to have uh I still do during the off season is that I wake up in the dream, you know, I I'm I wake up and realize I didn't go over any of the box scores or read the recaps from the previous day and I'm walking into the podcast not knowing what happened. That, I, think I that'd swear be to a you, really fun podcast. That's my nightmare. That would be kind of a fun podcast. I'm not willing to do it. <laughs> but that would be kind of fun. Uh, one of us, one of us will know what's going on. I'm sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Scott's on, on as us. long as Scott's on the podcast, I got yeah. my yellow legal pad here. It would, it would be <laughs> terrible. Did we stall um, enough for you, Scott? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think so. How is this? Is this a high end enough guy, Rich Hill? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, it's very topical. topical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's had his worst start of the year? Seven earned runs in four innings last time out. But you look at the game log, and no six-inning starts. So already, it's like, I can't justify starting him in a points league. What about a roto league? I mean, that that's really where he excelled the most last year with the terrific ratios. Yeah, the ratios well, stink too. Four of his eight starts have helped your ERA and whip. Four of them have hurt your ERA and whip. So not enough consistency, really. He's not even there averaging either. five innings per start. Yeah, yeah. Now... We've seen that when Rich Hill is bad, even going back to last year, last spring, you know, I bailed on him as a sleeper toward the end of spring training because he was so awful. When he's when he's not on, he's very, very bad. I'm reluctant to give up on him because we also know how good he can be and because the Dodgers with all their options. I mean, if there's anybody who could kick Rich Hill out of the rotation, it's them and Dave Roberts is firmly against that. He feels like Rich Hill is going to come around and and he's one of their best five starters and he's sticking with him. So I'm not starting him. But if somebody cuts him, I'm probably going to put in a claim for him. Okay. So that's because it's like starting pitcher. I mean, what else, what what pitcher with clearer upside are you going to find on the waiver wire than Rich Hill? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, that's Rich Hill. Quick note, the Dodgers are inserting Kenta Maeda into the rotation on Sunday. That's going to make Clayton Kershaw a two-star pitcher next week instead of this week. And uh, it's just to get another arm in there because they have like 20 games in 20 days. But that's just yeah. something to keep in mind. Uh, I, well, so- something you also have to consider, too, is because Rich Hill has shown a tendency in the past to like have this slow buildup last spring, for instance, um, you know, he's had a lot of 
been yanked from the rotation, been reinserted, yanked and reinserted because well, of the blisters. Like he hasn't I, gotten. I also want to. I, I would guess rust is factoring. I do here. want to point out something that I that I mentioned yesterday with Dylan Bundy, who's only thrown about 170 or so innings in the majors over the last couple of years, uh, is that we're still not sure who Dylan Bundy is. Doesn't the same thing kind of apply to Rich Hill? Like we're going off 139 inning sample size, 29 innings in 2015 to 110 in 2016. He didn't even average six innings per start last season. It just, it, giving him leash makes sense because we've seen him be very good, mm-hmm. but we've seen lots of guys put together really good 110 inning stretches and lose it. This is a, yeah, what, 35, yeah, 37 There are no guarantees year here. That's fair. Um, so I don't mind dropping Rich Hill. Okay. Well, uh, one of the crazy things I was going to say, you guys let me know how crazy it is, was this. It's time to drop Rich Hill for Joe Biagini and Jacob Faria. Faria, yeah, I I don't get the Joe Biagini thing. Me either. either. I could understand if Rich Hill was legitimately the only one you could drop that Faria is is more in demand now and you probably need to own him more. I could understand that. Okay. I'd rather not do it. Let me tell you the guy that I am really concerned about and gotten to the point where I can no longer say, oh, yeah, he's going to be fine. Don't drop him under any circumstance. Alex Bregman. Ah, uh, oh, that's what I was gonna say. Oh, it's just he's just not giving us anything. And I moved him down to sixteen at third base, and I thought it was lower, and it probably needs to be. Somebody asked if they should drop Bregman for Ryan Healy. We just got that email like ten minutes ago. Would you drop Bregman for Ryan Healy? I would guess Chris has. I have Bregman significantly higher. lower than sixteenth. Yeah. I mean, 16 sounds like a bad number. I have 20, because... Bregman 20 in Roto, too. Yeah, well, that's that's a bit lower. Um, no, it's interesting that the timing is now on this for you guys because... He's been hitting better. Yeah, I mean, six home six of his home runs have come in his last 23 games. Only one of them in June, I guess. Yeah, he's was, just not was, sustaining it, you know? It was like, like a, a two-week stretch at the end of... May, where he really did most of his damage. If you need to win now and Bregman's your starter, like, he can't be your starter anymore. I can understand stashing him. And he just, right now, and I, it's kind of the same thing as Nomar Mazzara, where, like, he's young enough and has the pedigree and the talent that I'm not giving up on him long term, but right now, Alex Bregman doesn't really do anything all that well. He also sits sometimes. You know, they got a lot of guys. They, they, well, now that, uh, Reddick's on the deal, maybe it's a little different, but no, not really. They got, they'll put Marvin Gonzalez or Yuli Gurriel, I think, at third base. So I don't even think Bregman's, I could double check on that. I don't even think he's an everyday player right now. He is, I, I will give him this. He is starting to walk a lot more in the month of June, which is a good sign because plate discipline was a really big thing with him coming up in the minors. He routinely walked more than he struck out, and that has not been the case. Uh, in the majors, so if he can do that, maybe everything else can follow. But you know, he's got a, an 18% infield fly ball rate. He's only got a 30% hard contact rate. He's striking out about twice as much as he walks for the season. And it's just right now, there's not anything in Alex Bregman's skill set that you can look at over the course of 430 or so at bats and say, "I know what this guy does at an above average level in the major." All right. He he mo- he mostly starts. Uh, he he'll get an occasional day off. I I oversold that. So that's Alex Bregman. We're a little bit worried about him. Give me one more round of guys that that you're concerned about that you've moved down in your rankings, and then we're going to talk about Carlos Gonzalez, Francisco Lindor, and Carlos Santana. 
Okay. Um, I will go with. I thought you were prepared. How about Mark Trumbo? Well, he took one of mine. My next guy was going to be Alex Bregman. I had two. I had a pitcher and I had a hitter. Okay. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, I'm going to go with Mark Trumbo, who, you know, we thought took a big leap last season, and all of a sudden he looks kind of Mark Trumbo-y again. Has the has the strikeouts and walks started to skew the incorrect direction? And and wait a second, wait a second, Mark Trumbo. For most of his career, has been a top-flight power hitter. I, mean, I don't know what you mean. He looks like Mark Trumbo again. The version of Mark Trumbo that we saw before last year was the the two seasons before last year, especially. Yeah, he was a pretty average power hitter. Injury, a couple injury-plagued years. Sure. Um, well, he played 142 games in 2015. He had a good start, I think, and then cooled. And it just yeah, he's, he played through injuries a lot. Um. No, I still believe in Mark Trumbo, and I'm actually encouraged by the fact his strikeout rate is way down this year, and his walk rate is up a good bit too. I think I think both are career bests. Looking at uh, so looking at the year by year, so I will if he just <clears throat> if he just gets back to you know elevating the ball, making hard contacts, wearing it up again, I think it's a I think it's a small adjustment, and he's going to get hot. His strikeout rate is down, but his contact rate is pretty much the same. So I'm not sure how much that, and I, it, his contact rate's up a little bit. And I actually, I did look at this yesterday. Contact rate has a negative correlation with, uh, with exit velocity or ba- barrels. I was looking this up yesterday. The lower your contact rate is, t- generally speaking, the higher number of barrels you will get. And that's generally a good indication of solid contact. So, you know, even if he is striking out less, it's not necessarily a good sign for him. All right, that's interesting. All right, that's Mark Trumbo. A little disagreement there, Scott. You got one more name? Not really. Let's All move right. on. <laughs> Let's do Car- Carlos Gonzalez. He is sad each of the last two games. Hey, it worked for Andrew McCutcheon. He's O for his last twenty-four. Carlos Gonzalez is batting two fifteen with five home runs this year. Good walk to strikeout ratio, twenty-seven walks to fifty-one Ks. Not like great, but certainly not bad. Um. And I look, I kept bringing up 2015 because in the first 46 games of 2015, which basically was two months of baseball, Carlos Gonzalez batted 215 with four home runs. Right now he's batting 215 with five home runs. The rest of season after those 46 games, he had a 966 OPS. He batted 294 with 36 home runs. He was unbelievable. However, it's two weeks later now. Okay, it's a little bit longer than. That awful slump in 2015. I'm sure people, I know people gave up on him in 2015. I know he was dropped in some leagues. I remember it. And he ended up being, from that point on, one of the best hitters in baseball, maybe the best. So mm-hmm. do, you, do you still feel that that's it? Not Maybe not that good, but it's in there for Carlos Gonzalez. It would be crazy to drop him at this point? Well, I don't think it's crazy, but the history, the history should give us pause because we've seen, we've, more than once, I've thought last this year was, he got off to a slow start too. I've thought this is the end for Carlos Gonzalez, and um, and it wasn't. He came roaring back. So you know, the longer this early season slump continues, he, he's gradually moving down my outfield rankings. He's down to 29th now after starting, I don't know, 15th or something. And eventually, the longer this goes on, the more he'll move down, and eventually might reach a breaking point where it's like. Okay, we can think about dropping this guy in a standard mixed league, but I don't, 
I don't think there's ever going to come a point this year where I could safely conclude, okay, he's done, yeah. and I drop him to like 60th or something. And you know, one thing to keep in mind with him, you look at the the peripherals and 29% hard contact rate for Carlos Gonzalez is really bad. But in that 2015 season, he was at 30% before the All-Star break. And then he was at 39% after, right? He's a he's a streaky hitter. Yeah. Like he and, Carlos Gonzalez, if you are just kind of a middling team in a roto league, you're in like fifth place and don't see how you're going to win. I can't think of a – because you might as well lose if you're not going to win, right? Yeah. I can't think of a better player than Carlos Gonzalez to try to trade for right now because he really – he has the history of being the best hitter in baseball. 966 OPS with 36 home runs in 107 games two years ago after an equally awful start. So I can't think of a better player to take a shot on than Carlos Gonzalez. I definitely feel less confident saying all this than I did – the la- whenever the last time we had discuss discussion was two or three weeks ago probably, mm-hmm. um, but I I still do believe in him. Okay, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna make some buy low offers on Carlos Gonzalez for a player that I could do without. Would you give up Mitch Haniger for for Carlos Gonzalez? I still have cargo higher. I do have cargo higher, but I don't think I could do that. I mean, it's it's seven spots higher that I have him, so. Uh, I'm probably starting Haniger at every league where I own him, and I don't feel like I could start Carger right now. All right, let's go to Francisco Lindor, who actually is averaging more head-to-head points per game this year, um, more points per game this year than he did last year. But it feels like he's having a bad year because he's been so cold for a while. Since May 1st, Lindor's batting two twenty-five with five home runs. The home runs have been up. The steals have not been there. Check this out. So you're looking at Lindor, you're saying, oh, why is he not stealing bases? Well, the walk rate is basically the same as last year. But last year he averaged .85 singles per game. This year he's averaging .52 singles per game. He's doubling a lot. He's got 18 doubles, and he's hitting a lot more home runs already this year. Uh, Lindor's got 12. He hit 15 last year. So Chris always talks about that. Fewer chances to steal bases. That has been a huge issue for Lindor, but it's also been let, let's let's not kid ourselves. It's been like six weeks of of disappointing production after a really hot start. So where are you guys on Lindor? I think he's got a good read on this. Um, there was an article, certainly on the Indians team website. It, it may have it may have gone to the different newspapers too, where not this exact article, but the same information. Basically, he sat down a video session. And, uh, noticed that he was pulling the ball a lot more than he ever has and realizing he had gotten away from his game because of this early home run spike and is working to make those corrections now. I think he'll eventually get back there and I'm not worried about him. So I'll, I'll look up the splits for the season, uh, or for recently, but for the season, he's pulling the ball almost exactly as often as he did last year. So. Uh, and that's actually gone down as the season has gone on, despite the fact that his, uh, production has been bad. So, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe. Okay, but you're that's, less convinced. Uh, that's just what the numbers say. Less convinced. Lindor is the number seven shortstop in points, number ten in roto. And finally, let's talk about Carlos Santana, who's the number 19 first baseman in points leagues, and number 38 in roto. (laughs) He's always better, Carlos Santana, in points leagues because of the walk-to-strikeout ratio. I think he's been striking out a lot lately, though. Uh, Career-low BABIP, or BABIP, career-low walk rate this season. 
And yeah, he's just having he's having a terrible year. Two eleven with eight home runs. He's always been a slow starter. I'll give you a, I'll give you another Carlos Gonzalez like thing to to be to be hopeful. Carlos Santana, two thousand fifteen, the same year Cargo had those crazy splits. Pre All Star break, he batted two twenty one with a three eighty two slugging percentage. He was much he was better after the All Star break. Unfortunately, he wasn't that much better. He batted two forty two instead of two twenty one. He slugged four oh eight. Instead of 382. So he really wasn't that much better. But he is a typically slow starter. It's getting really slow and for a really long time. Should we be worried about Carlos Santana? No. I don't think so. Most of the, most of the skill based indicators show that he's pretty much exactly the same guy he's always been. Uh, hitting the ball a little less hard. Um, but not to the point where you're Super concerned. I'll say this though, in a cat, in a categories league for Santana, if yeah. Justin Bohr is this good, if Logan Morrison's gonna keep hitting home runs like this, if Justin Smoke breaks out, if first base is so deep like it's been, then he's really pretty run of the mill. Because his yeah. career high was last year was 30 home runs or 34 but home I, runs, 34. I will also point out, he's had two month stretches as good or better than any of those guys are currently having too. Alright. All right, I mean, look, points league is where you're going to see the value for Santana. Yeah. He's still got a good walk-to-strikeout oh, yeah. ratio. Yeah, great value there. Definite buy low on points leagues. Or categories, like you're saying. I mean, I, I think I think by season's end, uh, you know, somebody's going to be starting him in your league. So uh, I, I'd rather hold on to him. He's a bit of a of a jag in Roto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just the guy. Uh, listen, I, I didn't tell you this, but. I had a very nice lunch with a listener the other day. Harry is his name. No, not the Razor guy. He's in our podcast league. He's currently in second place, and he's facing a team that started Mike Fultonevich, Marco Estrada, Tanner Roark, and Mike Leak this week. So, Harry, congratulations on the win. Um, we were talking baseball, of course, talking about the podcast, and this is a true story, I promise. Harry said to me that his next suit that he buys will be an Indochino suit, and he better use that promo code FBT at Indochino.com, and he asked me if I really liked it as much as I say I do on the podcast, and I told him that everything I say about Indochino is is real. It is the truth. It really is my favorite suit. It really is the only one I want to wear. I'm going to buy another Indochino suit in a few months. Customize your suit. It will fit you perfectly. You need this, fellas. It's going to be unique. You're going to look and feel amazing. You can do it all online at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. And you can save hundreds of dollars. Get any premium Indochino suit for just $379 at Indochino.com when you enter FBT at checkout. $379, that's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Shipping's free. Indochino.com. Promo code is FBT, as in Fantasy Baseball Today, for any premium suit for $379 and free shipping. All right. Let's get into some uh, some emails, some crazy talks, some prospects, two-star pitchers, and everything else from yesterday. Email of the day number one is from Samuel. Would I be crazy to start a one-start Barrios against the White Sox over a one-start Darvish at the Yankees? Are these matchups not right, Scott, the um, way you looked there? looked. Uh, are they not right? Well, checked. Darvish is going against the Yankees, and what was the other one? Barrios yeah, against right. the White Sox. The White Sox. Those look accurate. Okay, so yeah, you had that I look on your know. face. I don't think it's crazy. I, I, but like, 
You have a worse pitcher than you, Darvish. No, don't say that. Sit. Don't say that because he would have asked us if that were the case. What I want to know is, is is Jose Barrios in the category now, the conversation where we could even think about, you know, prioritizing him over okay. somebody like Darvish. I have them 12 spots apart. Yeah, not season long, but but he's that he's good. He's good. Yeah, uh, Barrios is good. Yeah, I I'm I'm kind of with Chris. Like, I don't know if this is one of those leagues where you only start two pitchers or something. <laughs> like, why would you have to? But yes, either? given the information we have, assuming yes, he also you. has Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, <laughs> uh, Chris Archer, Chris Sale, and Chris Sale. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Then I would start Jose Barrios over. You Darvish for this week only. This, I don't know that I'm willing to go that far, but I can agree it's not crazy. Yeah, like, I, I just feel like you Darvish is one of those pitchers you never, ever, ever, ever sit. By the way, uh, I was asked if I'm starting Sean Manaya tonight against the Yankees. Absolutely. They will probably be without Gary Sanchez and Aaron Hicks, and Manaya pitched very well against them in Yankee Stadium. So, yes, uh, you, I will start him. Uh, email of the day number two from Brendan from the North. I'm thinking that's a Game of Thrones, refer- Thrones reference. Hey, Rod, Todd, and Ned. Oh. Those are uh, Game of Thrones fellas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think. Buy or sell. The Flanders. Buy or sell. Pitching is bad, and it should feel bad. Pitching oh, wait, is bad. Uh, yes, pitching is bad. Uh, you're right. Um, Ned Stark, though. What? Sorry. Oh, you really thought those were Game of Thrones characters? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were joking. Yeah, me too. No, those are Simpsons characters. Those are Flanders's. Flanders. Uh, pitching is bad and it should feel bad. Buy or sell? That's the question. Yes, that is the question. Sell. You sell which part of it? That pitching is bad and it should feel bad. Oh, pitching is awful. Pitching, pitching is, is disgraceful. It's so impressive what those guys do. <laughs> like, I, I've had a shoulder the state thing. of pitching in the major leagues. Is I've had a shoulder thing for weeks, and it hurts when I sleep. So the fact that these guys can do what they do, yeah, I don't think that's what he was asking. No, and, oh, and okay. let me let me say that uh, I was debating or not if I uh, debating whether or not I should bring this up on the show, and I'm, I've decided yes, I should. Uh, I don't want to make it sound like I'm not enjoying fantasy baseball. I enjoy it as much as ever. I don't really like the current landscape of baseball. I don't nope. like it. I don't like it for viewing. I don't like it for the fans. I don't like it for fantasy. I think it's a little boring. We don't have enough variety. We have home run hitters. We have strikeouts. I just I want to see more triples. I want to see more speed. I'm I am bored. I'm just tired of the three true outcome stuff right now. Like I, like I said, I'm still enjoying the hell out of fantasy. But yeah, I don't like baseball that much right now. It it I'm hoping that this this stuff changes in the next couple of years and we go. Back to, oh, we get a different look. I'm tired. It, of it. it does seem to be Robert Manfred's biggest concern. Uh, he wants more, you know, action, actual action yes. on the base paths, on, you know, guys going base to base, plays at the plate. Cause yeah, it, it, sweat, strikeouts, like if, if, if all a hitter is doing is hitting it over the fence or swinging and missing, like that's, that's just not very entertaining over the span of three hours. Well, I, I think over the span of three hours is the bigger issue. Yes. Well, I, I more than three. Like, I don't know that I agree with that. There, there was actually. I if it, think it, it was in people watch football for three hours. I think it was SB Nation recently did a uh, comparison of two very similar games in terms of outcomes from like 1980 and 19 and 2017, and the 2017 game was like 30 minutes longer. Yeah. And the only explanation was that pitchers are taking longer between pitches. That's an issue because that's is. where that's there's no action there. 
It is. And hitters take a long time, too. I mean, Odubel Herrera is the king of this, apparently. He takes forever in between pitches. Yeah, let's get, let's, well, let's speed this stuff I'm, up. I'm, what Commissioner Robert Manfred has said is that he's not as worried about the, the length of play as the pace of play. And so that's, you know, with, with talking about maybe changing the strike zone or whatever else, that, that's what they're concerned, that's what they're focused on improving. But I mean, what it's kind of made for is this randomness, I feel like in baseball among all but the top flight pitchers and basically <laughs> all hitters. Like, like how many hitters who don't, we didn't even consider having any kind of breakout potential have become fantasy mainstays this year. Like, well, you know, we should, the, we should, Yonder Alonso. Yeah. You guys the, talked about the juice ball earlier this week. Or Justin no, Smoke. no. But the home run is so important. To, it's still right, so the, valuable in fantasy. The juiced ball is something we really need to discuss. There, there was a piece in the Ringer uh, over the last couple of weeks. First, MLB or MLB gave them their official testing and said that it's the same ball as it always been. And then they did their own independent testing and found that around the All Star break of 2015, something changed with the baseball. Lower seams, uh, a more, a less dense core of the ball, and the ball's traveling a lot farther and being hit a lot harder in ways that aren't explainable by anything but a different baseball. I'm not, I'm, yeah, okay, that's fine. But he's not even really concerned about the why is just what's happening, and I agree with Adam. Yeah, these are the same people, right? And the same person who said the ball wasn't juiced upon his own investigation previously? No, a couple of weeks ago, he, he got uh, information, I think it's Ben Lindbergh from The Ringer, got a study from MLB's official uh, testing of the baseballs, uh, and then he did his own after oh, the okay. fact uh, through uh, the University of Washington, I think, and found that there are legitimate changes that can pretty much explain a lot of what we're seeing. Mm. Well, you know, I can understand they wanted to get a little more offense in the game, and they juiced the ball. Like, that's fine, but <laughs> maybe a little bit too much. Uh, yeah. it's, well, uh, you, are we, well, the, the thing is, it's, that it's by design. No, there's no, there's no explanation as far as why. It's just, they're very minute changes. They're like the seams on the ball are a little bit lower, like a couple of millimeters. And the ball is a little bit smaller and they're, the ball's a little more dense and it bounces a little bit more. And all these things are very minute. Like you're talking a percentage point or two. But when you add them all together with how hard the ball's being hit, it tends to uh, magnify these effects. All right, very interesting stuff. Uh, to move things along here, let's do some crazy talk. I already did the Rich Hill thing. I was going to talk about the landscape, so I only have two more talking point uh, talking points for crazy talk. Starlin Castro is one of the best sell high candidates in baseball. He's the number one second baseman in Roto and number four in points. Uh, or maybe I switched that around. But either way, is that crazy talk? Sell high on Starlin Castro? I not just sell think... high that he's the, that he's one of the best sell highs. Yeah, I think I might have moved him into my top twenty uh, yesterday. I'm just not buying it. We have such a long track record of Starlin Castro being a jag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now all of a sudden he's a superstar. I don't buy it. Okay. Uh, Scott Castro buy, sell high. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm more, I'm more or less, more or less agree with that. I mean, it's just second baseman is the ultimate jag position, right? And so if one of these jags is performing better for a while, um, 
But like you would trade, Enjoy it. you would trade if you had Starlin Castro, you would trade him for Rignatador right now, right? Yes. Yeah, Boom. yeah, I would. He he has fifty run, he has fifty runs scored. That is seven more than the next best second baseman and career high Babbitt for Castro. And really, two RBI. He's on pace for a hundred hundred season. He, he doesn't look like a different player. He just he's just have he's his batting average is way too high. Okay, uh, and then how crazy is this? I always start in a roto league. I always start Tommy Conley over a one-start Alex Cobb or any other pitcher that I don't expect to get me a lot of strikeouts. Always. Uh, Heath and I do that every week. Yeah, I think more people need to be open to it. I, I looked at some pitchers who fit that bill. Archie Bradley is a name we've talked about a lot, but Josh Fields, Jerry Blevins, Blake Parker for the Angels has 47 strikeouts, a 201 ERA, and a 1.02 whip. And you, if you have just like a, an average starting pitcher who's not going to help you necessarily in ERA and whip, and maybe he'll get you, if you're lucky, six strikeouts, I'd rather take right. the three or four strikeouts from the middle reliever and get the ratios. So here's the one thing I would say against that. Okay. Last year, Kyle Bearclaw was definitely one of those guys, right? 14 strikeouts per nine, uh, 113 and 72 and two-thirds innings. He has 9.5 strikeouts per nine, which is still pretty good, but it's more run-of-the-mill for a, a relief pitcher. Relief pitchers are so fungible. Yeah, but year they, by year. But, he, but if a guy's having a good year. But like, even even in season, I think they, they're very unpredictable. We were talking about Fernando Rodney. But so are these starting pitchers. I mean, like Alex Cobb yeah, is unpredictable. I'm just, I'm just saying you have to be it, – it's a fine idea, but you have to – you have to be willing to cut bait on them just sure. as quickly as you will any start. Yeah, they're not like big commodities or anything. You can cut bait on them. Scott, you want to update us on prospects? Ahmed Rosario is still not coming up. <laughs> yeah, he's still not. Doesn't look like Chance Adams is going to be the one to fill in for CC Sabathia either. They called up Luis Sessa, and sounds like he's going to start this weekend. Um, but they're still probably the top two prospects to stash. I, I've moved them ahead of. Yawn Moncada in terms of stash ability because Moncada is, uh, at least as of two days ago, was in a pretty bad slump at AAA. That coincided with his return from the thumb injury that put him on the seven-day DL. Um, minor leagues have a seven-day DL. His batting average had dropped below 280, and like, you know, obviously they're not going to call him up if he's not hitting well at AAA. But he's still third on the list for me. Fourth, uh, uh, who do I have fourth? Oh, Gleber Torres. Yeah, he's not he's not going to move out of the top five until he gets called up. He's actually heated up at AAA. So, uh, you know, in leagues where you are not satisfied with your shortstop, he would be right behind Ahmed Rosario in terms of stash ability. And then. Uh, I would I would probably go with now that now that Matt Chapman's up he moved in the top five in the column the other day, but Reese Hoskins would probably be fifth just because I don't think there is a clearer I don't think there really is a great fifth option in terms of how close how how near how how close he is to getting called up and the kind of impact he's going to make when he does. Well, you know the Yankees Aaron Hicks hurt his Achilles yesterday. Ellsbury's haven't heard a thing about him. Are there going to be some Clint Fraser rumblings? Well, he has heated up. I I did write about him in this week's prospects report. He wasn't one of the top five to stash, but he has been 
been on a nice run at AAA. His his numbers are starting to look not so bad anymore. And ton of power potential. Great bat speed. Um, you know, him, him, Sanchez, and Judge in the middle of that lineup a couple years from now is going to be a fun time for everybody. All right, let's so, get- yeah, it could happen. I, I don't think it's imminent, but, you know, other call-ups have caught me by surprise this year, so you never know. So the top five for Scott are Ahmed Rosario, Chance Adams, Yoan Moncada, Glaber Torres, and Reese Hoskins. Let's get to the big news here, 45 minutes into the show. <laughs> Edwin Encarnacion homered, so I wanted to just talk about him, but we already did. He's just, since the weekend, he's been crazy hot, and Scott even said it went back further than that, so that's that's great to hear. Miguel Cabrera says his back has been bothering him. I think he homered for the first time since April, no, 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 no that can't be right. It's been a while since Cabrera homered. Um <laughs> Interesting thing with him is he has a career-high line drive rate and a career-high hard hit rate. Right. The peripherals say he should really bounce back strong, but he's got this back issue that he's playing through. Does that give you pause to buy low on Miguel Cabrera? Um, not, no, not, he's not really. I, I I think the numbers are so impressive. Like he's, It's not just his best line drive rate ever. It's the best in the majors by a substantial margin. And he's like year. 12th in average exit velocity right now, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it. there could be something to the fact that, to the idea that he's not able to get the same leverage with his back hurting, and, and so maybe he's not elevating the ball the same way. But he's just hitting it so hard that he's going to come around. Okay, yeah, that's that's Miguel Cabrera. Tom Murphy is off the DL. He started for the Rockies. He went 0 for 3 with a walk and a strikeout. Murphy batted eighth against San Francisco. Would you rather have Murphy or Zanino? Murphy. Murphy. Okay. Very encouraged to see not only that he was in the lineup, but that he got called up at all because there seemed to be some question about that. He was ridiculously um, hot in Triple A. Yeah, there seemed to be some question because. Ryan Hanniger, who was backing up Walters, is a good defensive catcher too, and they they liked him. So, but right. he's up, he's right, up, guys. and and hopefully can play four times a week at least and make a big impact. If you don't like the East Coast and you think I have an East Coast bias, just wait till you hear these <laughs> next like eight to ten news items. Matt Harvey has a stress injury in his right scapula; he will be out for weeks. You can drop Matt Harvey. Neil Walker's on the DL with a partially torn hamstring. The Mets called up Gavin Shakini and not Ahmad, Ahmad, Rosar, Ahmed Rosario. Uh, Noah Syndergaard will not throw for another four weeks. So he is a ways away from coming yeah. back, Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, maybe not till September. Yeah, I looked it up. David Price, and different injury, but David Price started throwing March 25th. He did not make his season debut until nine weeks after that. Ooh, wow. Okay. And obviously so. elbow's different than a lat. He might Syndergaard might be able to move quicker, but that's just a frame of reference. Juan Ligaris broke his thumb. That got Michael Conforto off the bench and into the game, so the Mets are just snake bitten. Johannes Cespedes did return to the lineup. Lucas Duda started against a lefty, and that, you know, coincides with the Walker injury, so that's a good thing there. Lucas Duda starting against a lefty with TJ Rivera at second base instead of first. And Daniel Murphy against the Mets since uh since going to the Nationals. 26 games, Daniel Murphy is batting 394 with 8 home runs, 28 RBIs, 7 doubles, and a triple in 26 games against the Mets. Yikes. Yankees news. like 40 points higher than he usually hits. (laughs) Yeah. Yankees news. Gary Sanchez day-to-day with tightness in his abductor muscle. 
Aaron Hicks left with an Achilles injury. Greg Bird suffered a setback in his recovery from the bone bruise in his ankle. Non-New York news. Kenta Maeda is going to start Sunday. I mentioned that. Houston signed Cuban pitcher Elian, Rod- Elian-, Elian Rodriguez. Excuse me. Um, Gene Segura could be back next week. John Gray could be back next week. He's 78% owned. Hector Neris got the save for Philadelphia. Pat Neshek pitched the eighth. It looks like Harris is the uh, Neris is the closer. And Greg Holland blew his first save. Scott White, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Chris, he looks sad over there. Cheer cheer that man up. <laughs> uh I guess before we get to the two star pitchers, Gio Gonzalez with another good start. Am I wrong about him? Is he not a good is he not a sell high candidate? I'm starting to wonder that myself. Because after that stretch of nine straight starts, I think it was, with three walks or more, um, last three, the walks have disappeared, and, and yet he's remained as effective otherwise. It's not like he's been more hittable. And obviously, one of the best supporting casts a pitcher could ask for. So he might just be a reliable option. But actually, I, you say one of the best supporting casts. Offensively, yes. Gonzalez is six and one. I heard on the broadcast last night he's had like five leads blown for him by the bullpen. Yeah, the the Nationals bullpen has been an issue. And yet he's six and one. He is six and one. Yeah, he could be he could be ten and one with a two eighty nine ERA. Guess, but I mean, what that's six and one. What does that make him? What kind of pace is that? Fourteen wins. Yeah, roughly. Like whatever. Right, he's got a one twenty seven WHIP. Gio Gonzalez. You're not going to have a two eighty nine ERA with that kind of WHIP, most likely. But. uh but he keeps the ball in the ballpark, right? Typically. Well. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, ground ball pitcher. Always. Alright, who would you, who's your favorite in this group? Your two favorites. Ariel Miranda, Michael Waka, Jordan Montgomery, Jeff Hoffman, Alex Cobb, Robert Gazelman. Miranda, Waka, Montgomery, Hoffman, Alex Cobb, and Gazelman. My favorite? Montgomery and Waka for me. By a pretty, Substantial margin. I'm kind of, kind of losing faith in Waka again. Like the results were better at the start of the year, and it's like, oh, Waka's back because you know he used to be good. But it's not <laughs> like anything really changed that much peripherally for him, and now he's been getting crushed. So I'm gonna go Montgomery, and I'll I'll prefer Hoffman also to Waka. Even though he has the obvious Coors Field concerns. Yeah, he's got a home start next week, Jeff Hoffman. Arizona at home. It's a little scary. But Probably not going to start him. No. On the road, you want to start Jeff Hoffman. I think he might be a two-star pitcher the following week. Uh, okay. Deep, deep leagues. Sorry guys. Deep leagues. Um, Ben Gamble has a, has hitting 417 in his last 15 games. And that was after two good games at Coors Field. I didn't even count that. But Gamble's a big batting average guy right now. No power. Mm. Eric Sogard has been Eric so good, and he's 6% owned. Eduardo Escobar has three home runs in his last five games. That's Twins infielder Eduardo Escobar and Washington outfielder Brian Goodwin. I believe he does not play against lefties. He's been pretty good. Three home runs in his previous four games. Ben Gamble, 14%. Eric Sogard, 6%. Eduardo Escobar, 3%. Brian Goodwin, 1%. I mean, I think Gamble probably is the guy to own here, but... I'm glad it hasn't really exceeded 14%, uh, which is kind of surprising because he's batting 345, but that's dependent on a 463 yeah. Babbitt. So, you know, he's not going to be this batting title contender all year, but he plays every day. 
He hits a ton of line drive, so he is going is he... to be a high BABIP guy probably. You know, the reason I knew Miguel Cabrera was a distant first in line drive percentage is because Gamble would be second if he had the at-bats to qualify. Uh, but it's nice to see that he's hitting well now and that he's continuing to play even with Mitch Haniger back. Okay. So then let's take a look at the two-star pitchers. For fan- and I was going to look at the most added list, but I did not get to that. I apologize. I'm, let me see if there's anything like super interesting on the most added list. Anybody know who the number one most added player is? The number one most added player. Oh, I looked it up yesterday. We have mentioned him today. He didn't pitch yesterday. He's a pitcher. I guess I gave that away, but we mentioned him today. Jacob Faria. You got it. Booyah. Because I opened up the list. I cheated. You are a cheater. Followed by Sean Newcomb. Didn't do my homework, and then I cheated. Malik Smith is fifth on the most added list. Has not really rewarded people this week. Uh, and Lewis Brinson was another guy who I added and I've already dropped. So yeah. are we done? Like Malik Smith has two hits this week in 10 at bats. Uh, are you cool dropping him? I, I'm fine holding on to him. I'd rather have him, uh, than Lewis Brinson just cause there's a, a clear playing opportunity. And I, I don't know that does Smith has any utility outside of. I mean, he's, he's probably he just a roto league guy, but yeah. I think he can be a batting average and, and stolen base cont- uh, helper. And, you know, assuming he stays at the leadoff spot and helps in those two things, he's going to help in runs too. I'd rather own Brinson just cause, like, the sky's the limit for Brinson. He could be, you know, he could be the outfielder. He could be a boat. He could be an all-star <laughs> next year, you know? I don't know. All right, let's take a look at the two star <laughs> pitchers. Uh, Brandon McCarthy is 80% owned. Ariel Miranda, 78% owned. Um, yeah. Are you starting Miranda, Detroit, and Houston at home? No. Detroit and Houston at home. Mm, tough matchups. You could, you could do worse, I'm sure. I'm sure that'll be, uh, yeah, that'll be in the discussion among two start sleepers this week. Are you starting or sitting McCarthy and Wheeler? McCarthy has the Mets and the Rockies. Wheeler has the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw and the Giants and Johnny Cueto. So winning could be a little tough. Are you? They all sound like starts to me. Starts. But we're we're what in the seventy-five and up percent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now let's go to guys who are a little more fringy. Actually, this one's interesting. If he makes the two starts, I'm gonna say I'm gonna sit. Matt Shoemaker at the Yankees and at Boston. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Now but he's not yeah, like he's going on the DL, right? Not necessarily. His his yeah, next start's he, still he up in the He thinks it's pretty minor. They say that he deals with this like every year, and he usually is fine. This forearm tightness. Uh, all right. Okay. Now Maybe. we got a couple guys who are owned in the sixties. Sixty-one percent Edinson Volquez, sixty-nine percent Brad Peacock. The, the, the matchups are quite different. Volquez has the Nationals and the Cubs at home. Brad Peacock, easy sit. yeah, easy sit for Volquez. Brad Peacock at Oakland at Seattle, starter sit. Easy start. Yeah, I agree. I am frustrated with myself for even bothering with Volquez in a couple leagues. That's that's the desperate state we're in with pitching. <laughs> then. I had to, I had to make myself buy into Volquez to some in some small way. Do you have the matchups in front of you? Yes. All right, I'm gonna read five pitchers at a time here. Tell me if you're picking any of them up. Matt Moore, Zach Davies, Jordan Zimmerman, 
Francisco Liriano and Jeremy Hellickson, the most overowned player in the world at 47%. Matt Moore, Zach Davies, Jordan Zimmerman, and Francisco Liriano and Jeremy Hellickson. Matt Moore is interesting. Being a lefty, he's going to Atlanta and then against the Mets. Matt Moore, you hate Matt Moore. What? That's interesting. Those are decent matchups for him. Yeah, but not at Atlanta. Matchups enough to bring you to start Matt Moore? Probably with not. With a six ERA? Probably not. Yesterday. But but there are hundreds of people listening to this. <laughs> Dozens of people could be helped. Uh, Matt Moore got his ERA all the way down to like four twenty seven a couple weeks ago, and now it's back up. To yeah, six. but he was a former top prospect. All right, you're not starting. You you hate Matt Francisco Moore. Francisco Liriano. I will start Francisco Liriano at Texas and at Kansas City. Yeah, I'm not sure, man. Like, hope he doesn't blow up against Texas. Frankly, hope he doesn't blow up against Kansas City. I, I wish Liriano had a one-star week because uh, until his previous start against the Rays, Liriano had been terrible, was not giving you a quality start, total whip killer, which he always is, but, but you know, like just not enough strikeouts because not enough innings to justify. I'm not sure I'm starting Liriano. I do have Zimmerman, and I'm still I'm undecided about Zimmerman. It's going to be him or over a one-start guy. I'm not sure. I, I have more confidence in Liriano than Zimmerman. I mean, he's been, he hasn't had a bad start since coming back. He hasn't had, he's had but, one good start though. Now, Gazelman is at the Dodgers and at the Giants. Um, he's had a bad start. I, I disagree with what you said. Really? Yeah, five innings, six hits, four runs, three walks. Oh, no, no, no. Four runs, three earned runs. Uh, one walk, five strikeouts. Okay, five innings, three runs on six hits. Not a That's good start. Not great, but it's not bad. That's what I expect yeah. of Liriano. I don't really want that, but all right. <laughs> it's a bad group. This has been a bad podcast. No, um, it hasn't. <laughs> yeah. What? Robert Gazelman. Jeez. Um his ma- he has the same matchups that uh Dodgers and, and Giants. So good matchups, but he was so bad yesterday. Yeah. That I think we've kind of we've sobered up on him, right? Like I'm not- I was starting to believe again after you know, the most recent start, and he's been better since coming back from the bullpen, but no, yeah, I'm not starting. There there are lower-end guys I'd rather start than him. Well, Gazelman, previous four starts before getting roughed up by the Nationals, who rough up a lot of people, 3-0 and with a 2.16 ERA, but seven walks, 18 strikeouts in 25 innings. And he also faced three pretty bad lineups, San Diego, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, and he also faced Milwaukee. Um yeah, I just can't. I'd rather start Francis Martis, assuming he makes his two starts. Oh, goodness. All right, so let's I'd go a little deeper. I'd resort to any of those measures. Let's go a little deeper. Armand Marquez, Clayton Richard, Jason Hamill, who's been pitching very well lately, Mike Montgomery, San Diego and at Miami, not Chris Tillman, Josh Tomlin, Francis Martez, Andrew Kashner, Miguel Gonzalez, Matt Garza, Sam Gavilio. Ray R- Ray Dickey? No way. I'd not just say that. R.A. Dickey, Chad Cool, and garbage after that. Francis yeah. Martis is my my favorite out of that group. He's at Oakland and at Seattle. At Seattle is a tough one, but yeah, he, at Oakland. Is could, he going to start at all? Because that's I mean, a question. McCullers could come back Monday. It's possible. And then I mean, I guess they could kick Fires out of the rotation instead of Martez. I'd rather them do that. But since Mart since Fires has been on a roll lately, I'm not confident they will. Um, but it's not 100% clear McCullers will be back. I'm, I'm kind of going into next week thinking one star for Martez and then he'll be out. But 
know, but that one start would be against gambler than I am. that one start would be at Oakland. Yes, and I'd I'd start him with one start at Oakland. Now okay. I'm going to say that I'm going into next week thinking I'm going to start most of my one star pitchers. It's just not a good week for two star guys. Yeah, but if there were one, no, like I, Jason Hamill has the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. They're both at home. If he comes out of this week pretty good, he's gonna be he's gonna be like fifty percent owned. He's only twenty two percent owned at this point, Jason Hamill. Guys, it is Friday. As a treat to the listeners, let's fire away with some emails and go a little bit long here. Um, this is from John in Boston. Dear, take your L. As confusing as Chris made himself on Michael Pineda, I still kind of understood what he was saying, but I mean, come on. He backed himself into a corner on that one, and Adam, he missed a huge dance chance to tell Chris to take his L. So, Chris, take your L. You know who took an L at, yeah, on this one? Adam. What did I do? I took an L? Because you missed your chance to tell me to take an L. I now did. you take the L. I did take it. <laughs> Would you drop Jose Peraza for Ahmed Rosario? I already have Angelton Simmons. Sure. Would you drop <laughs> unless you need steals? Would you drop Russell Martin for Wilson Ramos? Russell Martin for Wilson Ramos? Yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, I mean, you can't start Wilson Ramos yet, so you may need a short-term catcher. It's but... a categories league, so that makes sense. If it was head-to-head, I do have concerns about how much Wilson Ramos will play. Also, raisins are better than pizza lunchables. Yes, we agree. Ridiculous. <laughs> From Peter, do you realize that EY Junior rhymes with Iwakuma? Maybe Doc Kratzer can put that in next year's theme song. <laughs> um, if you have a top five performing shortstop on your roster, is Manny Machado a jag at third base? Just the guy. No. Hell no. Come on. It's Manny Machado. He, he's okay. a first-round pick as a third baseman as well. I can't believe you spent a whole week discussing raisins and did not m- once mention craisins, a clearly superior product. Oh, God, Yeah, is, no. that, is that the generic term for them, or is that... Uh... A brand name. Who cares? Right. They are not superior to raisins. No way. They're all terrible. Mm, I'd rather eat them than raisins. Wow. Also, yeah. um, uh, this might be a different email. Somebody, I think Chris said that Chris's regression musical drop needs to be, it's regression from the tune of Under Pressure by Queen. I prefer the regression. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, Nate from Pittsburgh. Would you deal Cody Bellinger um, if you felt secure that Miggy would have a good second half? There's, you know, this is a big long email that I made short. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. we think we think Miggy's yes. gonna have a big second half. Yes. Yeah. No, Bellinger's. I think the the especially the kind of run he's been on the last few days, you could ask a lot for him and potentially get it, like a, you know, like a Johnny Cueto or something. That seems like a feasible trade. Yeah. Let's do some rankings. This is from Jonathan. Rank Derek Fisher, Malik Smith. And Jose Peraza in a Roto League. Derek Fisher, Malik Smith, Jose Peraza. Peraza, Fisher, Smith. Uh, yeah. From George, John Gray, Marco Estrada, Jimmy Nelson, Jamison Tyone, Rich Hill. John Gray, Estrada, Jimmy Nelson, Tyone, Rich Hill. Tyone, Estrada, Nelson, Gray, Hill. Estrada, Nelson, Tyone. Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to open up my rankings. You know, we keep rankings on the site just for these kinds <laughs> yeah, of Yeah, but, you know, I'm going to make another bet with Scott White for absolutely nothing. I will take Jamison Tyone over Jimmy Nelson rest of season. You will take Nelson? I like both of them. Uh, sure. Okay. Sure. I mean, whatever. I could change my mind next week. They're that. They're, that's how close they are on my rankings. They're both must-own. 
And finally, who's going to be better rest of season? This is from Alex. Baez, Javier Baez, or Angelton Simmons? Simmons. I think so, yeah. Simmons. Okay. Thrown off because I wasn't expecting Chris to say Simmons, but none of us like Baez. If Baez so played every sense. day, it would be an easier call. Yeah. Uh, or it'd be a tougher call, but. Yeah. I think both, the, I, I think both of them are probably pretty replaceable guys. Yeah, you don't like guys who don't play every day. You're biased. <laughs> We're done. That's, That's, good. That's solid. That it was a fitting. <laughs> no, stop. It was such a good show. I had a great time on Kokomo Friday. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. For Scott and Chris, I'm Adam. Talk to you Monday.